Press play on video. Have a seat real quick. The changes brought by COVID-19 have been difficult. Our lives changed overnight as everything shut down. We were forced to deal with isolation in a way we'd never experienced. Suddenly, in the midst of the darkness, God showed up like he always does. Turning fear into faith, quarantine into connecting, and downtime into precious time. Relationships were strengthened unexpectedly. And another thing changed. People all over the world, including our friends, neighbors, coworkers, and families, became more open than ever before to hearing the gospel of hope. The pandemic shook us, but it did not crush us. We shared good times and bad times virtually. We realized what is truly important in this world, each other. The church rose up to help those in need and to be the hands and feet of Jesus during this difficult time. We found out we are stronger together. As life returns to normal and things reopen, we'll never forget how important our relationships are and the value of spending time with loved ones in person. As we're able to gather again face to face, think of every person in your life at every age and every stage. They're waiting on an invitation to church from you. Because in every way that God connects us, we are stronger together now more than ever. Is the, the theme of Back to Church Sunday here in just a few short weeks, actually it's a little under a month from right now, October, or September, sorry, September 20th is the date that that's happening. And so I got a couple things to give you, um, to, or one thing to give you on your way out today, and then one thing just to make available to you if you wish. Um, we ordered just these simple little invites. They almost look like coasters, but just these simple little invites, and they're all packaged. There's five in a package, and we want to send everyone here home with one of these little Ziploc bags of five of them, um, and then we'll see. We should have a few left for next week, too. If you run out, you can grab a few more just to invite people either to join us in person or to join us online if they haven't yet. And so uh, this is an opportunity for you to reach out. Um, each year, along with this, and last year you might remember uh, some of the staff and, and leaders wore uh, the shirt associated with this uh, theme each year. Well, this new theme, they created a new t-shirt. And uh, I think it's super appropriate for the culture that we're living in as well, because it says very little but it speaks volumes. And so if you would like to purchase one of these t-shirts, you may. Um, there'll be a sign-up sheet out there. There'll be $8. Um, just write down your name and your size, and, and uh, we will get that for you. But this is what it says, and I think it's a great conversation starter. If you think about all of the things going on in culture right now, I think this is a very good conversation starter. And so um, obviously a great way to invite folks uh, to, to come with you to church when, they, when, they, when you get to explain that to them. So don't have to, but if you want to, like I said, the, the staff and, and leaders will have them again. But if you would like one as well, um, it's $8. I think they're like $6.99 and then they're shipping. And so I uh, just said $8 sounds like a nice price and we'll just get them from them. So um, that's, that's that end of it. Uh, there's a reminder slide. Uh, McKenna is going to do some painting the week of September 13th, right before Back to Church. 
church Sunday to just kind of try to finish up the basement. And so if you're available at all, anytime during the day um, or possibly even the evening, she might be able to come in then as well and help get some things done. Man, that would be great. We'd love to knock that at completely out in one week um, if, if you're able uh, to, to do that. Um, this next week, when you come back next Sunday, uh, the parking lot right around the building, the asphalt parking lot, will look different. There will be no lines. So we're going to see how coordinated you guys are with your parking, right, and what your gifts and skills are. Uh, we're resealing uh, this. It hasn't been done in way too long. It's been a very long time since that's been done, and our asphalt's kind of falling apart because of it. And so we're going to get it done really well. They're going to start actually this afternoon on that. So there'll be one week where there's no lines. They'll be back the next week. So don't freak out. They're coming back. They're just gone for one week, all right? Um, and, and you'll be just fine. You can, you can handle that. I am absolutely certain of it. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention was this. Uh, last week, we announced um, David and that would be his wife, Alyssa, and their one-year-old, Eli. Um, that's the picture of them, so you know what they look like. His first Sunday here will be September 13th, uh, after meeting at the beginning of last week and getting the, the financial details kind of hammered out, and then seeking the input from all the church board. Uh, we're now officially ready to, to make that offer, although I did tell McKenna uh, we're already Facebook official. He's already announced it on Facebook to all of his friends that, that he's good to go. And so, um, just so you know, we're already Facebook official with him, so it's, 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 it's a good thing. Some of you don't know what that means. The rest of you do, so you know what I'm talking about. All right, um, so we want to get you a picture so you see that. The 13th will be his first Sunday, but here's what we have for you. Uh, we have carefully considered the costs. God asked us to consider the costs before building the tower, if you will. We've got to make sure that we do that, and what we've done is consider that. We've offered a, a very reasonable uh, a package, if you will, to him, and we can pay for it, but it will make things a little tighter. And so what we are asking you is something very simple, because we want to be very open and honest and communicate with you guys. And we don't do this very often when we talk about money like this, but we want to let you know. Our goal is for the month of September to begin a new trend here at Berea, and it's this simple. It's $400 a week, in addition to what our offerings have currently averaged, $400 more a week. And we'd like to sustain that through the end of this year. If we do that, not only are we easily able to pay for his salary, but we're able to continue doing everything else we're doing and hopefully even more. And so that's what we're doing. Now, you can do the math on that. That's like not even $10 a week for most of us to just chip in and things like that. So that's what we're, that's what we're asking for. That's what we're looking. Um, and we can easily look at the averages and, and see if, if that is attainable. So next Sunday is the first Sunday of September. And that is our goal, uh, $400 more a week, uh, which is not a, a drastic amount when you divide it out by all the folks that are attending both in person and online. It's, it's important for those folks online to know, hey, this is where we're at. And you know, you'll be back soon. That day is coming very soon where everyone will be able to rejoin us once again. And so maybe back to church Sunday. I don't know. We'll see uh, when things officially open up. But we're excited about that date. All right. We got one other announcement uh, having to do with the, uh, the Crisis Pregnancy Center. And uh, you guys know a lot about them, but our very own Susan Williams works for them. So she wants to fill you in on something as well. So go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, um, I'm so blessed. I never dreamed that when I came back to uh, Indiana a couple of years ago that um, that I would be so blessed to have a job where we say babies we're all about family we're all about the Lord and um, our banquet didn't happen in April this year um, it's our main source of income to keep us running so we're calling this we've been through a million ideas on how to get this together um, so we're calling this the banquet, no banquet. <laughs> and what it is, is um, 
we, I have these envelopes. I'll have several of them out there uh, for you to pick up. Um, there'll be a link that you can go to on YouTube that describes uh, our year and also what we do and what we're for. Um, just a preview, uh, there are five strategic ways in which CPC continues to take back the family in 2020. Strengthening survival rates of at-risk babies, training parents, protecting children in the womb, helping teens and parents develop healthy relationships, and sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if, you're, if your heart is in it, and you grab one of these, like I said, there's a link, and it shows several of our clients, one of which that she came in fully ready to have an abortion, and she left carrying that baby. And um, I get, sorry, <laughs> every time I even talk about it, it just makes me just feel so much more blessed. So if you have, um, if you can give, we would really appreciate it. I'm going to leave these out there, like I said, pick one up if you wish and take it home and we really appreciate that. Thank you. There's something we all need to know If you want to keep that healthy glow Remind your friends in courteous terms Let's spread the word and not the germs Wash your hands, it's the right thing to do when you only have to wash your hands keep them clean oh yeah hey hey wash your hands but if you find you're not feeling well like too many trips around the carousel call the doctor that's what you do the doc will take good care of you You'll feel better too Wash your hands and make your mother proud And maybe you can join the popular crowd Wash your hands like 50 times a day, oh yeah Hey, hey, wash your hands Wash your hands So, uh, my family and I saw that several years ago. That video was actually created in 2014. But how appropriate, right? It is for this very day. Who knew it would be so, so useful? I, I never, we just said, we would honestly, uh, it would come on the TV on, on vacation and we would intentionally watch it multiple times a day because we just thought it was fun and cute and, and a, a good time. So, anyway, good morning. I, did, did no one else think this morning was just incredibly gorgeous? Because, oh my goodness, ah, every day, if every day of my life was like that when I woke up, it would be absolutely perfect. Um, so I just want to dive right in. We, we gave you enough announcements and things like that earlier. I hope that you were able to, to uh, keep up with most of them. If not, you'll be able to watch them online later. It's like, what did they say again? What does this? You could go back to our, to our YouTube channel or Facebook page or, or uh, our webpage and rewatch the beginning and hear those announcements so you didn't miss anything. If you got any questions on your way out, don't hesitate to ask. Um, we want to give you whatever information you need, and so uh, be prepared for that. And please pick up one of those uh, cards for the Crisis Pregnancy Center on your way out. That'll be the only way that I would remember uh, to grab that on the way out and have it in my pocket and see it later today. 
to look that up, all right? So today, obviously you already know the theme, hopefully, of today, but there was really only one place to go after last week. We, we started this series three weeks ago now with the symbol of our time, yes, the great and wonderful mask. Love them or hate them, they're a reality, at least for the moment. And so our purpose was to use that simple symbol, the reality, like the mask, to kind of challenge us a little bit, to help us grow closer to God, to become more like Jesus. And so the challenge became to look at that mask differently, differently than what the world is sharing with us. So the world, when, they, when the world asks us to mask up as we go into stores and restaurants and businesses and schools and everything else, our goal was then that every time we put that on, to just pause and pray very specifically two things. One, God, we want your spirit to be alive and well in the words that we use. And two, God, give us the opportunity to share your love with someone, anyone, as we walk around with this mask on and just to listen for his prompting. A simple reminder, as we get out of our cars at Kroger or Walmart, we head into our office or our schools, that we're gonna meet people along the way that are literally hiding behind that mask. They're hiding their fear, their uncertainty of the future, the hopelessness that they are experiencing, and it might be very hard to tell. So we must use our words and our actions to go and help free those people from the state that they're in. As a believer, there needs to be this constant internal voice pushing us to realize the reality that behind every single mask that we see is someone that God loves. And even more importantly, someone who God sent his very own son to die for. And if you can't look at a person, I don't care what t-shirt they're wearing, if you can't work, look at a person wearing a mask and remember that, then there's a heart issue on your side. And we need to be challenged with that. This week, we're on to personal hygiene. Yes, washing your hands. One of the most basic forms of self-defense that the human immune system has. One of the things you've probably been learn, learning since you were a very, very young person. Some of you did a great job of listening to your mothers. Others of you did not, but we've all been taught this forever. And here's the great news. Now, of course, there are official government instructions, guidelines on how to wash your hands. We needed that. We're in America. The CDC, the Center for Disease Control, has released a nine-minute and 17-second video on how to do such things. It is riveting. I know you're going to watch it later, so just email me, chris, at bccbrazil.org, and I will send you the link so you can watch that, because I'm telling you, it is great Anyway, um, there's some great posters. I, I, I borrowed some. You can become a superhero if you wash your hands. You can become a princess if you wash your hands. Um, we're encouraging kids to do these things. These are the posters that the, they put out to help support these things. They're wonderful. But my favorite one, because remember, I am a former junior high teacher and youth minister. My favorite one is this one, if you didn't know this. There are more than one trillion germs that live on just one gram of poo. See, I know you didn't know that. I know you did not know that before you came here today, all right? And you weren't expecting to learn that today, but congratulations, I have corrupted you. But that's okay, because that's just, that's, that's, anyway, that's the reality. There's one more bit of research that I had to share with you. I did not know this existed. Thursday, October 15th is World Hand Washing Day. I am not making this up, okay? We got one clap for World Hand Washing Day. I am not making these things up. These things really exist. This year's theme is Hand Hygiene for All. So we can all participate in that. Here's the thing. Hand washing is important. We are foolish if we don't know that, right? We all should know that by, uh, by, by now. 
hopefully it's a good thing that there's been a re-emphasis in this healthy habit. And maybe as we get down the road here, people will continue that practice and it will just help everybody be a little bit more healthy. But the question then becomes, Chris, okay, how on earth can you relate this to what we're actually talking about? Ah, that's the challenge that I have. And I love those kinds of things. How can hand washing, how can this mandate help us grow our faith. Well, I said at the very beginning that there was only one place to go after last week's topic of social distancing. Yes, keeping six feet away. That is the key. It can be a great way to help us resist temptation. Don't believe me? I got a phone call this week from somebody who listened to the sermon. And they said, hey, I want to let you know I listen. I'm like, wow, thanks. I really appreciate that because I never know. Does anyone ever listen? And so it was wonderful um, to hear that from them. And they said, no, no, I, I got to tell you what happened. I was like, what? They said, well, I sit at the computer a whole lot at home all day, every day. And I have a very large bowl of chocolate beside me at this computer. And over this time that we've spent in quarantine, I have gained several pounds and the doctor is not very happy with me. In this, And I listened to that sermon, and something as simple as this idea of removing temptation, the distance thing, I, I took the bowl of chocolate and I have moved it to a whole other part of the house knowing that there's no way I'll get up from my computer to go and walk to the other side of the house to go get chocolate when I just want a bite of chocolate. But when it's right there, it's at oh, constant access. Something as simple as that idea can make a difference in your life. Regardless of what the temptation is, whether it's something, I, I, I don't even want to use the word as simple as chocolate because the reality is food is a major, major temptation for a lot of people and can destroy, destroy their lives and their health. And so whatever the temptation might be, it can help. And we talked about the reality that if only David had implemented our social distancing rules, then it's possible that someone from his genetic line might still be an authority in all of Israel. So who knows? But what's that natural place to go next? Well, last week, we kind of dropped David. He was in a hot mess when we left him last week. And we went right on to the story of Joseph and how social distancing very much worked in his circumstance. Though it did get him thrown in prison, it ultimately ascended him all the way to the second highest power in all of Egypt. David was in a mess. His sin cost him more than probably most of us could ever even imagine. The words of the, the prophet Nathan from 2 Samuel 12, 10. Now, therefore, the sword will never depart from your house. Can you imagine what those words, how those words hurt David, how he realized the effects of his sin. And this is what the Lord said. Out of your own house, I am going to bring calamity upon you. And that was so true in the life of David. So how did he respond? What did he do? Well, in spite of his flesh, in spite of his own evil desires and giving in to those, in spite of the sin that was found to be true in his life, God described David as a man after his own heart. How can those two things be reconciled? After the events of 2 Samuel 12, what did David do? If he's a man after God's own heart, how did he respond to all of these things? Well, he lays it out for us. He cried out to God. It's believed that the words that we're going to cover today were written by David as he repented and begged for mercy following Nathan's revelation of his sins. So listen to these words. And as you listen to David's words, the words that he penned, I want you to hear, do you hear in him the difference between this sin-filled man and the man who God described as a man after his own heart? Can you reconcile those things as you hear David's words? Psalm 51 is where we'll be today. So if you haven't turned there, 
today, then please go ahead and do that real quick. And I'm going to press pause because I forgot to do something earlier because I knew I would because I didn't write it down because I didn't have it. So as you're turning to, to, to Psalm 51, this isn't an inappropriate thing at all. I want to make sure that we take a second and I want to recognize some bodies in the room that are celebrating their 61st anniversary today. There's been a lot of forgiveness in that, right? There's probably been a lot of uh, social distancing over those years too. <laughs> they needed to, to stay together and they had to get apart. So, so anyway, Les and Ann Harding are celebrating their 61st anniversary. Yeah! Yeah! That is phenomenal, if you think about it, especially in today's culture. And I think maybe we, we could ask, maybe social distancing was a key. I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about that later. So Psalm 51 is where we're at, beginning in verse 1. Listen to David's words. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict, and justified when you judged. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me, God, with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide my, or your face from my sins and blot out all of my iniquity. The money verse, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. No, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. Now, when you read those words, independent of what David was going through, they're powerful. But when you realize this wasn't just some flowery author writing some poetic words that are really nice things to say. This is a man who has been busted, caught, found out, life ruined, begging for mercy before his God. That's quite a different from just some pretty poetry, guys. That's quite a bit different. You see, our Bible, unlike most other works of religion, works really hard to reveal the true picture of people. It exposes their flaws and imperfections and everything else. David was an incredible king for God's people, arguably the best they ever had. But he was human. 
And he was tempted by his own evil desires so that he was dragged away, as the brother of Jesus writes in James 1.14. He was dragged away by that evil desire until it conceived the actual sin in his life. And then that sin led to literal death around David the rest of his days. Physical death, illustrated by the word sword which Nathan reveals would never leave the household of David. The physical, painful death surrounded David's family the rest of his days. So David responded by writing about the brokenness of his heart regarding these sins in two different places. Psalm 32 and what we just read, Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51, David wrote that famous verse, create in me a clean heart, maybe as you know from the old chorus, or create in me a pure heart heart, O God, and renew a right spirit or a steadfast spirit or a resolute spirit, a committed spirit, a dedicated spirit, a faithful spirit within me. In today's language, we might be able to simplify it all the way down and say, God, you know what? Here's the thing. I'm the problem. I realize that. Change me. God, it's me. Change me. That's a non-flowery, non-poetic way to say what David is trying to get across. And you see, it's not until we face the reality of our own selfishness, our own rebellion, our own warped nature, and our failure to live up to God's best are then able to begin to experience God's creative activity in our hearts. See, there's a fascinating word that we just read here, but every one of us probably looked right over it because it's a simple word that we use every day. It's the word create. We are humans. We create things all of the time. We go to the grocery store, we get ingredients. We go to Lowe's and Menards and we buy stuff and we build things and we create and we make things. But that is not the word that is used here. A very different word. When you look at the word that is used, the Hebrew word for create used here is the word bara, B-A-R-A, bara. And you have to say it like that because it's a powerful word. And when you realize that this word is only used in one circumstance in all the scripture, the first place it's used is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Yes, God created the heavens and the earth. God created, he barah. What does this mean? Well, this word always and only speaks of the creative activity of God. It is never used to describe the creative activity of God humanity. And I want us to understand the power of that word, the power involved. This is the power that was on display as God created the entire universe and everything in it. And David is crying out for God to use that power to create something that does not exist within him. Many, many people have tried to re-renovate their own heart. But usually we fail. Why? Well, because our renovation looks kind of like that. It's redecorating. We cover it with a new coat of paint. We try to pretty it up a little bit. We try to just cover up what actually exists. Our desire is to hide the reality that exists within us. You see, King David knew his outside world, but he also knew his inside world. And it was very, very different. When our inside world is messed up, and many of you have experienced this, you can hide it. Absolutely, you can hide it. But eventually, if your inside world gets messed up enough, everyone's going to find out. God used Nathan to expose this reality in the life of David. What is God using for us? 
What is he using in your life to draw this out of you, for you to admit this reality to him so that he can then come in and create something brand new within you? When David's sin brought, was brought into the light, it forced him. He had no choice at this point to remove the mask. If, you, if you've heard the story as Nathan confronts him, Nathan does so. He doesn't just come in and say, David, you're a big fat sinner. He comes in and he tells him this story, this parable of this man who stole from this other man, took his best thing ever. And at the end of the story, David's like, who is? Who is, who is he? I'm going to go kill him. I'm going to arrest him. He's done right now. Life over. It's over. And Nathan's like, uh, yeah, Dave, that's you. <laughs> David was, you can only imagine the look on his face, right? When that realization came to pass. You see, the reality was deep within, David knew that there was something wrong, but he'd been hiding behind that mask. All of this time, and Nathan exposed him. He knew he needed a new heart. He believed then that the only one who could provide such a thing or create such a thing within him was the one who actually created him. In the past, David had, we've read it, you've read the stories. David absolutely trusted his life in the hands of God, did he not? Do you remember the stories from his childhood? As he approached Goliath, you remember Saul, King Saul chasing him all over, and yet David just handed his life over to God and said, God, I know you're in control, take over. But now David was forced to trust his inner life to God, maybe for the first time. Like David, you and I must trust the creative ability of God within us. So how does that relate to our theme today? Well, here you go. I don't care how often you wash your hands. You really don't. No matter how many times you wash them, they're still your hands, and they're still going to get dirty again. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so you got to keep doing it over and over and over. And God will create something within us that he alone will continue to work on throughout our entire lives. You see, when we ask God to create within us a pure heart, the first thing we must do is turn over our current heart to him. We got to get a new one. David wanted God to create a heart in him that was not present that day when he saw Bathsheba. It did not exist. He needed a new heart that was not there before. This isn't a new theme. It's throughout the Bible. Jesus says the very same things. When he talks to Nicodemus in the garden late that evening, he says, Nicodemus, here's the thing. You need to be born again. You need to be recreated. The, Paul, the apostle Paul wrote to us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It's what God does. He doesn't just take the old and make it better. No, 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 no. He makes it brand new. The heart throughout all cultures, throughout all human history refers to the center of human existence. The heart is the, the center of our feeling, of our thinking, of even our own will. And the Bible reveals to us that the heart is full of evil. We read a few weeks ago in Jeremiah 17, 9, that it is deceitful above all things. Don't believe Jeremiah? Well, we'll use Jesus from Matthew 15. The heart is said to be, this is what comes out of our heart. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. That is what makes a man unclean, Jesus says. And that is all from our heart. So trusting the heart might be a very dangerous thing, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Do we desire this new heart? 
Do you desire for God to come in and clean house completely, to create something within you that did not exist before? If you do, then that can begin at any moment in your life. The second you ask for it, God can begin that project within you. But you see, David was wise. He didn't just ask for a clean heart in the moment. That one sentence in verse 10, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew, renew. He, didn't, he knew he needed more than a momentary fix. David knew that he needed something that was continue, that was ongoing, that would renew each and every single day and moment of his life. As I said, we can all wash our hands as many times as we want, but the reality is they're going to get dirty again. We're going to have to wash them again. God absolutely will create within us a new heart. But if we are the ones left to maintain that new heart, it's probably going to end up worse than the first. So David asks God to renew a steadfast spirit within him. That steadfast spirit is an incredible thing. It is the power that comes from God, that comes into us, and if we allow it, will saturate us. It will overtake our thoughts. It will replace our will with his will. David's sin it started in his mind. It eventually led to devastating choices. We are called to take captive every thought that we have and make it obedient to Christ in Corinthians 10.5. Take every thought you have and when you have it, immediately give it to Jesus and allow him to determine, is this a path I should take? Is this a thought I should think? Is this a direction I should go? By asking God to renew within us, we are asking for a continuous, ongoing process to begin. We are asking for God to continue this process every single day of our lives. Another way to, to, to recite verse 10, if you will, is to renew within me a constant spirit, a never-ending spirit. God establishes himself as the one who will continually renew that inner spirit. This incredible work of God is never even done until the day when we, 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 when we meet with him for all eternity. It's an incredible thing. The spirit who inspired David to pen these words is the same one who inspired the disciples. It is the same one that inspired the pen of Paul. It is the same one that inspired the revelation of John. And this is the coolest part. This is the same spirit that will daily work within you to renew your spirit each and every moment of the day. Have you ever thought about that? When you think about the inspired word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the spirit that came on the day of Pentecost. Have you ever thought about that is the same thing you have if you're a believer within you? If you haven't, consider that, would you? Consider the power that exists within you if you'll recognize it. But there's many that doubt. They doubt that God can or will do this thing, this constant renewal within their own life. Well, I pray that these final words that I'm going to share with you today will encourage you to believe otherwise. Would God, would God choose to reveal a sin that exists in your life and yet be unwilling to cleanse you of it? 
Absolutely not. If the Spirit of God, which is responsible for convicting the world of sin, John 16, 8, comes to you like Nathan did to David, do you believe that the Holy Spirit of God would take pleasure in tormenting you by not being willing to remove that impurity from your life? Absolutely not. (laughs) Or has he come? Has the Spirit come to purify you from all unrighteousness through the precious blood of the Lamb? You see, God doesn't just say things. He doesn't just recommend things. He doesn't offer suggestions in hopes that maybe you might follow them and maybe it might be effective. No. God alone was the only one who knew the cure. He was the only one that knew the possible way that our hearts could ever be made right. The only possible way that anyone could ever be purified in such a manner to be found in the presence of God once again and be moved back into a right relationship. God alone knew this. And so he alone chose to offer a sacrifice that we can't even begin to imagine. The sacrifice of his son, the only perfect gift who willingly gave up his life and died so that you and I can live and have access to this new heart, and have continual access to this constant renewal by His Spirit within us. When the Spirit convicts us of our sin, and we realize the price that was paid so that we could have this opportunity, church, you must understand this is only an opportunity. We can resist it. We can deny it. We can choose to refuse, to admit the sin that exists in our life, but that does not change the fact that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it certainly does not change the fact that the wages of sin are still death. But Jesus came that we might live the exact opposite. He came to create something brand new within us. And so as you listen today with ears to hear, is the Spirit speaking to you. Some people have never really experienced that. The reality is they have, they just didn't recognize it. He might speak from that billboard. He might speak from the pulpit. He might speak from his words as you read. It might be that still small voice that as you leave here today just echoes through your mind or in tonight in a dream or tomorrow morning when you awake or through a chance random conversation so you thought with someone else this week. But God absolutely is still speaking today. Do not resist it. You listen to things all the time. Don't believe me? You've been told to wash your hands. They said like 50 times. Now it's like 100 times a day, right? You're supposed to wash your hands. We're following that protocol the best that we can. We're using hand sanitizer out the wazoo. Are we willing to listen to Christ? Are we willing to listen to that still small voice? Are we willing to listen to the Spirit of God within us and follow His lead, to repent of our sin, maybe to come to belief for the very first time, to come forward and even be baptized into his name, into his family, into his everlasting love. We have no idea whoever watches these online. They're posted for the entire world to see. Literally billions of people, anyone around the globe could potentially see something like this. Maybe accepting God happened a long, long time ago for you, and you just don't have a need, you think, for these things right now. Well, I just want to remind you that David was a man of God. Absolutely no one would question that. 
And yet look how far he fell. You see, the reality is anyone left to our own devices will generally walk away from God. We have to daily confess our need for him and remember that we're not in charge and we don't want to be in charge. And like David, cry out for renewal. Cry out for that ongoing renewal that only Jesus offers through the daily purification by his spirit within us. You see, Jesus died for more than forgiveness. That's always the big one. That's always the first thing we hang our hat on, but it doesn't stop with a pardon. Jesus did not just offer us a clean slate. He does do that, and it is awesome, but there's more than that. His desire is to write an entirely new story on that sinful slate that was before, replacing what was once broken, what was once evil, wicked, dead. He wants to completely replace that with a whole new story full of love, of faithfulness, and yes, of life itself. See, David didn't reveal all of the ways that he tried to cover up his sin. He didn't share with all the ways that it was truly eating him up inside, although in other Psalms there are some clues, shall we say. But thankfully, David did reveal to us the way that he was cured. And it's found in Psalm 32. Listen to his words. He knew what he had done, but he also knew that God was faithful. And he writes this, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones were wasting away through my groaning all day long. He was holding in that sin, hiding it. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule that have no understanding but must be controlled by a bit or bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the, un, the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous, seeing all you who are upright in heart. These are the words of David in Psalm 32. It's believed this was written after his confession, after the burden of his sin had been freed from him. These are the words that he This is what David experienced through this cleansing of his heart and this renewed spirit within him. Have you ever experienced that? Because that is what's available to you today. Whether you're here in person or watching online, that passage, Psalm 32, is available to you this 
moment. If you've never accepted Jesus before, then today is absolutely the day. There's no reason to schedule a meeting. There's no reason to schedule an appointment. There's no reason to change clothes. There's no reason to do anything. Today is the day to come and confess the great name of Jesus and be baptized into his death, burial, and resurrection and walk the new life he is giving you and allowed to create a new heart within you. But if you're a believer and you're like Dave and you've been around the block a time or two and your heart has gotten beaten up, then David wants to remind you through his spirit, the spirit of God, can you be redeemed and restored today? You've got the new heart. You just took over the cleaning of it and you're not doing a very good job. God wants power back. He wants to go back in control and and clean house again and get it all ready for his spirit to be active and alive and working in this world through you. Don't miss that opportunity today. Prayer can bring that cleansing to you. Absolutely. Confession, like David, can bring that healing to you. Father God, as we come before you, I pray, I pray that someone listening, whether in-house or online, first and foremost, maybe comes to a saving knowledge of you for the very first time. Maybe they didn't realize that because of their sin, they, they thought they were excluded from this group, that they had no hope for tomorrow. They had no hope to be with you. But I pray that the words of David revealed to them that there is another path, that David was caught in sin and, and yet they, he cried out to you. And this is the way you respond when people cry out to you. I pray that someone today cries out to you. And Father, we get a chance to follow up Or Father, you plant firmly someone within their life, within their sphere of influence, a church near where they're watching today, a pastor, a friend who can meet them where they're at right now and bring them into that relationship with you. And Father, I too want to pray for the believers. The believers who are are watching today, whether in person or online, and Father, they, they have been bombarded by this world and life got crazy, and life got busy, and life got chaotic, and, and they've, re, they've kind of renounced that daily cleansing that your spirit has to offer. And they kind of took over the household chores of, of keeping their heart in order. And today's passage, Father, has convicted them. The spirit has convicted them that they've taken over this precious gift that you gave them and that you desire to maintain, but they've taken control, I pray. That today is the day they release their grip. They turn the control back over to you and that you can once again cleanse that heart and renew it moment by moment, day by day so they can first live in peace with you, experience their love in their lives and begin to show that with those, a dying, unbelieving world all around us. Father, don't let anyone miss this moment. Allow the Spirit, your Spirit, to move. It's in Jesus' name we pray.